Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia coming to you on yet another week. Uh, and I have a fabulous panel with me today to discuss uh, the issues this week. Uh, I know we, we had promised that we would have, after our political discussion, we would continue doing political discussions, which we will. But uh, unfortunately, this week, with the events of what have happened in Ukraine, Russia, geopolitics takes a little preference, uh, a little higher uh, preference over politics. Although my panelists today would be just as comfortable talking about politics as they would about geopolitics. So without further ado, let me introduce uh, our panelists today. Uh, uh, my first panelist is, uh, I mean, both are returning Mind Podcast champions, but Kishore Narayan from the, he's a writer, he's a columnist, he's a podcaster himself, he's written for Mind Makers, writes for various portals, various newspapers like Kannada Prabha, has his own podcast, India Rising Podcast with Mohal. Our, uh, our fourth uh, sort of uh, uh, panelist that was planning to be Mohal is unfortunately traveling, otherwise he would have been on this too. So welcome to Mind Podcast, Kishore. Uh, great to have you. And thank you, Adit. Pleasure. Along with Kishore is our own resident foreign policy geopolitical expert, but more importantly, our uh, our, our mind makers. Uh, I, Harita, now I want to introduce you as like you know the person who basically looks after or is the number one uh, villain for all the columnists when she gets back to them with their editorial. <laughs> Uh, she's she's our sub editor at Mind Makers, takes care of various pieces and writes some phenomenal uh, foreign policy uh, articles as well. So Harita, welcome and uh, thank you both of you for being up so early in India time and being up bright and early for Mind Podcast. Thank you, Adit, for your kind introduction. And then it's always a pleasure to be part of Mind Podcast. Absolutely. So without, I mean, you know, without delaying the inevitable, like, let's talk about it. I mean, crazy scenes, guys. Uh, before we show the maps to everyone and for our uh, <clears throat> audio listeners on SoundCloud, this is primarily, I mean, going to be a conversational podcast. But for in between, uh, just to sort of talk about areas and regions correctly, we might just, you know, do some uh, show some maps on the screen. So for those, unfortunately, you might have to uh, go to our YouTube stream. Uh, <clears throat> so just giving everyone a heads up. Um, what do you think, Kishore? I mean, uh, no one expected this. I mean, when I say that, American intelligence reports did say that there are chances of this happening. And for once, like everyone was like, oh, surely this can't happen. Surely that can't happen. Surely he's not going to actually, you know, Russia is actually not going to go into Ukraine. So that surely seems to seem to be the, uh, the, the big statement last week. And that surely uh, has turned into, oh, no, oh, no, oh, oh, dear, like, literally, as the day is progress. So if you, you know, to summarize everyone, like the Russian forces have uh, entered parts of Ukraine. Now, uh, uh, media organizations, Washington Post, NPR and others are coming up with maps. They have correspondents on the ground. CNN has some few, few correspondents there as well. And I mean, other organizations and they are they are telling maps, but they are not they're not clear. Because you don't know the extent, right? There was a whole situation where Russia, or I, I don't want to say Russia, but there were claims that a certain airport or airbase was taken over. And then there were counterclaims by Ukraine that Ukraine government took it over. And then, you know, they, there are claims again. So there is a lot of uh, that sort of situation is going on. There is obviously going to be a fight back from Ukraine as well. And, and it is going to be essentially a war unless and until there is a diplomatic solution taken, taken place. But having said that, what do you think, Kishore, what do you make of everything that has just happened in the last few hours? Uh, I think the world did not expect this to be a wow moment. Mm -hmm. uh, the last wow moment in terms of a battle, in terms of a war, was the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, mm -hmm. in terms of the TV broadcast of the visuals and things like that. After that, there have been uh, conflicts and battles around the world, but they didn't have the same kind of an effect on the on the audiences around the world, hmm. and surely people uh, people would have uh, conveniently forgotten how a battle or a war looks like, especially in urban areas, especially in densely populated urban areas. And I think I think uh, you can't blame the people as well uh, for thinking surely it's not going to happen, and that is where uh, Vladimir Putin, the Russian president kind of uh, uh, out-thought everybody else and went on with uh, his 
strategy and his plan of whatever he wanted to achieve. And I think that way people did not expect this coming, at least in this manner. All they would have thought probably would be a minor incursion into the eastern flank of uh, uh, Ukraine, probably into Luhansk and Donetsk and uh, probably securing Crimea in a better manner than how it is now. But an out-and-out assault on to the very heart of Ukraine, into Kyiv, into other uh, major cities, I think that was unexpected uh, pretty much by everybody, every intelligence agency in the world. Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, excellent point, uh, Kishore. And let's 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 get into this. Uh, Harita, now I'm coming to you. Uh, just to kind of show our uh, viewers, this is sort of what it is. This is, again, this is a Washington Post map. And uh, I, I don't know, I mean, it's, uh, like Kishore and I were talking about, there are other resources also that I'm sure uh, are, you know, updating the maps, but this is the first we could find. So this is where all the uh, past approximate locations of the strikes are in the past 24 hours. And this is where it was earlier. I'll just zoom in a little bit so that it's a little easier for our uh, viewers to see. But Harita, what is your take, right? I mean, this is this is unbelievable. We did not think that this could something so insane could happen. And uh, having said that, do you think the is it inevitable that the takeover of Kiev will happen? Or will it be that there won't be really a takeover or something? There will be just a different establishment there and then the forces would retreat. What, do you, what is your take? Uh, see, there are uh, at least two ways of looking at it. The first is uh, the kind of uh, past in, uh, past invasion, which, uh, so to speak, the Western world would like us to say is like uh, Russia's invasion of Georgia in 2008. Like uh, maybe it can be one kind of a scenario which we can anticipate. The second would be like uh, what I uh, really think is like uh, Russia basically uh, it aims to penetrate the uh, Ukrainian administration. So that will be the kind of stuff which they will be looking at in the sense like um, something which can, which would look legitimate, so to say, but then they would have a final um, uh, say about all the policies, like the, especially when it comes to foreign policies and stuff like that. So in this aspect, I think like uh, the sooner they will take over the uh, Ukrainian capital, they would uh, want to have their own people in place, especially in uh, decision making and administration, uh, so that like uh, they can have a larger say in Ukrainian future. So by uh, this is only one way of looking at it, but uh, Putin is like uh, quite unpredictable. We can't say anything much about him, but uh, as things stand now, I think that is the way that's going to work because like um, ec economic sanctions, which the uh, U.S. have failed, uh, uh, U.S. Uh, wanted to... Uh, I mean, that was a, a big stick which you us wanted to use against russia mm -hmm. uh, and to deter it so i think like uh, these are the two scenarios which i can possibly look at in uh, russia uh, uh, one is the george uh, georgia kind of a scenario and another is like uh, placing pro russians in uh, in ukrainian high offices so beyond that, I don't think uh, Russia has any, um, uh, it doesn't want to really take over Ukraine in, by any chance because it, it's going to be a, bl uh, a blunder, especially when it comes to geopolitics and uh, with, uh, when, with the kind of uh, flux around us in the sense the world itself going through a flux, we can't understand. Yeah, no, the flux is the right word. I mean, our hearts, our thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Ukraine who are suffering. I mean, because it can't be easy living through this. Uh, a lot of students, Indian students are stuck there as well. And there are efforts being made for them to be brought back to India. But of course, that doesn't resolve the question. A lot of them actually went to do their medicals and stuff. So what if they're in the last year? What if in, they're in their, you know, year three? I mean, how do, how is that going to work? I we, we, we really don't know. There is no, there's no telling, right? So, but having said that, what I wanted to just sort of talk about uh, uh, it for a second here, it was going to be this uh, this second map that we just tried to show on basically uh, uh, about uh, about Ukraine. And 
So let's 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 look here. So basically, this is what happened, right? There there are movements from Belarus as well into Kiev, uh, north of Kiev, and that that is where it gets very dangerous. There's Chernobyl, of course, is very close the the site of the you know the disaster. And I think the Ukrainian National Guard, if I heard correctly, was, you know, uh, protecting Chernobyl and stuff like uh, what they have to do. There is a serious fear that if something hits there or the radioactive waste is released in the environment, no one knows what might happen and how dangerous that could be. But that that is like, I would urge people to read about it before coming to any conclusions. This is what I read in the few pieces. Then <clears throat> there are these two provinces right here. Uh, Crimea, of course, uh, was an, uh, in 2014. Ukraine lost and there was this helicopter movement in the Kharkiv area and Kiev is the capital where the basically the forces are attempting you know a sort of a takeover if we were to believe reports but these two provinces Rohansk and uh, Donetsk uh, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation but these are like claimed uh, areas which are by pro-Russia sort of you know uh, separatists so uh, it's a very complicated situation and uh, one has to one has to talk about like how the world is looking at it, right? So, and the irony, the sad irony of this is all of this was happening when the United Nations was in session, the Security Council. I mean, uh, there was this bizarre movement moment we had, and that session was being chaired by Russia. So there is a bizarre moment that we had where the Ukrainian representative was showing his phone that as of 48 minutes ago, troops have entered into Ukraine. So would you like to comment on that and, you know, questions? And I mean, I what does one say about United Nations? Like if that, it was being made such a mockery of that there was deliberations happening, discussions happening, the out of the two two entities in question, one of was the chair and the other was accusing, saying, uh, look, I have latest information on my phone and the prepared remarks I came with make no sense now whatsoever. So what do you think, Kishore? How do you view at this? It's quite obvious that the United Nations has become a joke in the past, uh, say, one, two decades. Uh, the Crimean uh, uh, annexation by Russia also was one such example where uh, the world power did nothing to stop it. I mean, the violation of the sovereign uh, boundaries of any sovereign state uh, uh, raises alarming questions and unless and until you find a permanent answer to it uh, there is no way you can stop such things from happening again and again. I mean if India could be chastised for uh, entering into East Pakistan on the pretext of uh, creating Bangladesh, although we were on the right side of uh, morality, on the right side of uh, history, we were still chastised by the United Nations back then but then uh, that was the precedence that was set back then in 1971 December. So it's quite obvious that uh, there have been different yardsticks being used for uh, the high and mighty and for the uh, uh, for the global south. I, I think I think that that's the kind of uh, dichotomy that United Nations has uh, failed uh, uh, comprehensively in addressing. And uh, every time every time there is a uh, incursion or an annexation or even an invasion happening in parts like say Libya, Syria, uh, Yemen, uh, uh, there, are, there is wholehearted support for it. But same thing happening in Yugoslavia, same thing happening in uh, Ukraine, that is when uh, there is absolutely no harmony in the way United Nations thinks. Yeah, and it's also how the Euro has, Euro countries have also reacted. I mean, I've, I've read reports on Twitter and uh, we were talking about it offline that about the whole Germany and the energy situation with Russia, you know, is there sort of going to be the similar sort of agreement? Uh, there were reports about uh, uh, some demands made to inc in the sanctions to uh, not include the most expensive products, you know, by uh, the Italian authorities. Again, I'm quoting the quotes and pieces that I read on Twitter putting out that as a caveat um I, I hope we get more clarification on that but if that is true that is that is shocking i mean how how are certain companies you know uh, uh, exempted or certain fields if you and if if you want to do that do you have any moral authority to say that we've taken a principal stand because you clearly have it you right any stand that is based on economics i mean say it, right i i have nothing against countries saying that boss i want to take a principal stance but my economic interests dictate doing this the problem what is happening is 
there are some countries in Europe that don't want to take that stance, but then want to lecture other countries that we are not taking principal stance, but you should forget all the relationships you have and should take the principal stance. So it's a very complicated situation right now. And, and, and unfortunately, the part is the people of Ukraine are the ones suffering. Right? And that is where the whole tragedy is, because uh, they are clearly short-staffed. I mean, they, they need they need uh, if they are to fight back and stuff. So I, how does one look at this? See, this kind of a hypocrisy is quite in our face, like when it comes to the entire Western media, uh, pulling up India for not taking a firm stand. Right when uh, the NATO itself is not uh, in uh, not uh, really sure of what they want to do with the uh, Ukraine, see that's one point of it. And then the, another aspect is uh, like uh, see, uh, I mean uh, whatever be the thing like uh, India being the uh, non permanent member of UNSC at this point of time. The stakes are really high for India. And then this kind of a hypocrisy is going to hit very hard. In the sense, like a, uh, an in, uh, men, it forces India to uh, do a tightrope walk, which they have to really understand that uh, uh, men, uh, when they themselves really have that kind of a sharp demarcation of what is right for them, in the sense the national interest and values. It shouldn't expect countries like India to take uh, really a strong position, given that India has got a long-standing relationship with Russia. It be, it is really inevitable that uh, India would still uh, want to have all its cards in place and not want to uh, fritter them away, saying that, okay, we strongly condemn that. And also, there is no point that India would issue any kind of condemnation uh, since, like, uh, I mean, as Pramachanya Chalani has been rightly saying that, like, uh, it's like uh, it, um, none of the European countries or America, for this matter, never took a strong, a strong stand. Like, uh, despite the uh, uh, China deploying about uh, two lakh uh, troops across the LAC, and now not at least even asking China to pull back the troops. So, and I mean, we have we ourselves are going through. All this kind of a thing and Indo-Pacific is the region which is really facing the brunt of um, uh, Chinese hegemony and still uh, Russia, um, America for its of which is really fixated on it and uh, Russia is steering away from all these causes and then like uh, uh, trying to run the Ukraine uh, issue Sorry, I'm digressing a little bit, but then the here, what I want to really say is like, uh, it's time that like uh, European countries and the West really understand what they really want to convey the message to the world, like whether they are with the values or whether they want to um, uh, speak to their interests. The only interest which uh, stares in mind is like uh, US, uh, US still wants to be the superpower and then it really wants to consolidate that kind of a space for itself. No, I think there is a there is another dichotomy and I'm coming to you next, Kishore, right? So I, I actually think there is no, uh, in a strange way, hypocrisy in the American stance because America has always said that they are going to look out for their interests. So, you know, they will they will act a certain way with China, they will act a certain way with Russia. So I actually see that one can have a position agreeing or disagreeing with the position of that US takes, but there is no sort of uh, uh, hypocrisy that we are taking a moral high ground here or moral. There have been several sort of uh, uh, issues with that. Uh, but having said that, the problems with India is actually I don't see a lot of people in the American establishment raising having issues with India. There are a few Indian think tankers in Washington, D.C. who are going into super meltdown mode that why is India not, you know, doing this. Now, they don't have, they're sitting in D.C., okay? Some of them are sitting in D.C. and so they don't have the spine to raise even one question about America or the American policy, right? And and I, I, I have not only asked, I mean, you know, but I, I've known of people to ask. And then, you know, you see some public responses somewhere. That, oh, we only talk about our brief South Asia, India and thing. We don't talk about US, you know, policy. Or something. That's just a cop out. 
basically to not not take a position right and then that is this that is the saddest part like if you are a true analyst right then you you should say that okay america did this for the self interest india did this for the self interest we actually don't agree with that positions and and that's that's what i'm saying so india has a lot invested with the whole russia you know in the defense sector and so forth and one can have a position saying that india should have come out strongly in favor of ukraine and stuff that's a legitimate position to but when you say that oh india uh, america ne to apna self interest dekh liya ab india ko to self interest nahi ek morality ke upar kuch bolna chahiye right so do you see that uh, 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 difference kishore in the attitude Well, absolutely i think uh, uh, <clears throat> it's quite obvious that uh, uh, they would lecture us to uh, vote uh, i mean they want they want to think for us they want to say how we should vote and uh, still give us no guarantees when it comes to uh, china they don't want to use their high offices uh, to talk to china to convince china in any which way and uh, all all we would get uh, probably say Uh, okay we would put uh, pakistan into an fatf uh, blacklist i think i think that's the kind of carrot that they are dangling to us and they want us to bite the bullet so to speak which i think uh, uh, in the in the current scenario in the current uh, context the indian administration the indian state is definitely not going to uh, budge from its position uh, no, this is a travesty related seeped in the old indian foreign policy of 30 years ago where everything revolved around pakistan and also on the western in the western hemisphere uh, we i mean i shouldn't say western hemisphere <laughs> in the western side of the things it was basically uh, india and pakistan were almost hyphenated right now that dehyphenation has taken place since india has done well economically and and so forth so um, i don't think india will be just happy by saying i have pakistan ko ye kya ho gaya and especially when the pakistani prime minister is in moscow i mean who who advises imran khan what a day to land up in moscow and and to come and say uh, i've come at a very I, interesting time or something is that is I'm that i'm excited i i'm excited what an exciting day yeah. exciting day oh my goodness i mean uh, uh, talk about foot in your mouth and then trying to like and tumbling at the same time while while that is i mean what do you think harita what do you make of that statement a and uh, do you think that now that the dehyphenation of india pakistan has happened india does not want to be governed by you know what pakistan thinks so yeah uh, india has really come of the age so to say that nobody would dare to put india and pakistan together anymore now because like uh, given the kind of uh, uh, contrasting I mean, especially in the aftermath of afghanistan given the kind of uh, contrasting stances which india and pakistan has taken and also the kind of uh, continuous humanitarian help which have which we have been extending to afghanistan uh, nobody would ever even say that um, uh, india and pakistan can even hyphenate india and pakistan and further like uh, any terror activity in any corner of the world is somehow related to pakistan so that's it's a place like where pakistan stand in uh, the world geopolitics so that is one part and another thing sorry to say that but i am them really uh, <laughs> stands true for what uh, people say about uh, imran khan because that Yeah, uh, see the way he conducts himself, the way he behaves, like, um, uh, and then like um, uh, the way Pakistan still uh, thinks that it can keep uh, America enchanted or in an illusion, still extracting what it wants from U.S. and then getting the kind of a stuff from China in terms of like having that kind of a China China Park nexus of uh, encircling India. This kind of a stuff, I think it has been um, uh, crossed its expiration date. And then like uh, it is time that like uh, they need to realize that it's not going to work anymore. You go around with a begging bowl and then still expect the people to give you kind of respect and then like um, give you what you want. I mean, just because you are strategically placed, you are overusing that kind of thing uh, in, in uh, geopolitics. So I think it, uh, the sooner the the Pakistan realizes, the better it is, and also for the uh, people or the countries across to. say that it's not, i mean we are doing uh, deliberately some 
we are uh, deliberately uh, doing something wrong by equating India and China. I mean, we are putting India and China together. So, that, uh, so I, I think, and we can come back to the uh, the the whole vote situation as well because I think the, there's a UNSC vote that happened, and I think India and UAE abstained, if I'm not mistaken. Right? I don't know how China. Uh, China, China, China. China. Yeah. So um, now uh, com coming, coming, that happened actually just a few minutes or uh, an hour before we recorded the podcast. So uh, please pardon us if we don't have all the statements that they made. Uh, <clears throat> again, like we said, this is a developing situation. So by the time this is this podcast is edited and uploaded, uh, like I almost feel like everything should be a live broadcast these days. Right. So <clears throat> coming back to uh, coming back to this um, whole discussion, uh, I think Pakistan has another problem also. Uh, this clearly this meeting with Russia was I think there we can be rest assured there was a bit of a Chinese hand in this that they might have pushed this to happen. Um, the whole American scare, the what American analysts and watchers are scared about is what if Russia and China come closer, right? Because that is a sort of a nightmare situation for us now having said that there are, there has to be some sort of uh, solution seeped in practicalities american manufacturing is not going to go away outside of china you know instantly uh, because people are used to certain the inflation is going to go through the roof and everything second is the whole oil debate right oil and energy debate how is europe going to do that and the third thing which we haven't really talked a little bit about is the whole role of belarus Right, like uh, there, there were uh, there were pictures of tanks coming in from that border, and the Ukraine Belarus border is not the same as the Ukraine Russia border in terms of how it is patrolled or how it used to be. I'm, I'm talking about bahut pehle. Now we are hearing of joint military exercises that happened between uh, Russia and Belarus. So, is are there going to be certain states across? you know asia that russia is going to you know have friendly relationships with friendlier relationships than what they had before you know how, how does this play in the long scheme of things what do you think you sure i mean that's a i asked a lot of questions but <laughs> well, i think uh, eastern europe continues to be a fascinating uh, region uh, belarus uh, uh, again uh, uh, lukashenko alexander lukashenko uh, continues to be the uh, biggest despot in that region. Now, uh, <clears throat> we all know what he did, uh, say, four months ago when he got uh, his own, uh, uh, he, he, he got a plane hijacked midair while it was flying on the Belarusian airspace. Why was that? Simply because there was an opposition leader who was in that, uh, who was in that uh, plane. And uh, the plane was not even uh, uh, landing in uh, Belarus. It was mid-air. It was flying from some country to some other country. Uh, and uh, this person, uh, this, con uh, this country had the uh, uh, tenacity to go and order a, a forced uh, landing in uh, Minsk and, uh, and kind of uh, uh, arrest that uh, opposition leader. So I think uh, that's the kind of uh, despot that we are talking about. Uh, Lukashenko cannot exist without Putin. And even for Putin, Belarus uh, can eventually join a Russian federation, so to speak, which might be a, a Soviet light 2.0 version. So I think I think that's the kind of uh, you scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of an arrangement between Lukashenko and uh, uh, Putin. Now, with that, it was quite obvious, uh, obviously, for the Ukrainians to know that Lukashenko would obviously uh, side with Putin. Now, in what form would Lukashenko himself send uh, Belarusian uh, uh, forces was an unknown. Probably uh, Ukrainians would have had better intelligence. But I think it was quite obvious that uh, uh, worst case, he would allow Russian forces to enter through uh, the Belarusian-Ukrainian uh, border. I think I think that was uh, pretty much uh, a known uh, unknown known rather than an unknown uh, unknown. Uh, having said that, I think what uh, what struck me was the uh, was the glaring amount of uh, global diplomacy happening in the past 10-15 uh, uh, days. You had uh, uh, Emmanuel Macron, who himself is 
uh, struggling to get uh, re-elected. Uh, there are uh, French presidential election happening in April, end of April. Um, now, uh, amidst all that, he travels to Moscow. He tries to sit and reason uh, with Putin across the long table. Uh, the photos are legendary. Um, and he tries to get some kind of a concession from Putin telling, okay, maybe I can talk with Biden. But by the time uh, 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 Macron comes back to Europe and tries to talk with Biden, Putin has already changed his mind and has already invaded uh, Ukraine. This goes to show the amount of respect that the president of the Fifth Republic of France commands, even in Europe, forget around the world. Having said that, uh, it's not that Putin himself was respected. He traveled to Beijing uh, during the launch of the Winter Olympics. He got a one-on-one -on -one meeting with uh, Xi Jinping uh, and got all kinds of assurances from uh, Beijing, telling, okay, we are with you, we understand the uh, dichotomy, we understand the Western hypocrisy. But then eventually uh, come, come to the actual uh, voting in the Security Council, China abstained rather than uh, uh, voting against uh, Ukraine, uh, voting against the resolution, which, in, which uh, implied that uh, China, like India, took a, a neutral position. So, uh, so much for uh, Russian diplomacy, uh, diplomacy, so much for European diplomacy. So, I think that way, uh, everybody is on shaky ground right now. Yeah, and and th that kind of uh, underlines the fact that. Uh, uh, too many things are happening too quickly. Yeah. No, and those saying that India also has to make up my mind, I, I don't think anyone has make up, made up their mind, right? I think, uh, hopefully, I, we, I think uh, Mr. Jayashankar said a few words, and uh, I think Prime Minister Modi and Mr. Putin, President Putin have also spoken. And T.S. Uh, Tirumurthy, our uh, UN uh, ambassador, like our Indian ambassador to UN, he said why they why they abstained and stuff. Now, like I said, one could agree or disagree with the, uh, the reasons that they gave. Um, the issue here is everyone sort of is biding their time, thinking kya hoga, right? And then there is a whole discussion and debate right now on dealing with Russia on other currencies which are not the dollar, right? So would that lead to a changing foreign exchange currency market? We don't know. Everything is right now uh, up in the air. Uh, and, uh, the world is going to hit, get hit by like higher gas prices as well. So inflation, which is already skyrocketing, will go even further because transportation costs are going to go through the roof. So, Arita, having said all this, what do you make? What do you make? What sh What do you think the next steps would be? Right? Would it be that the Russia would, uh, you know, after the new leader installed, Russia would pull back, or do you think they are for good for a long term? Uh, I think they are not on uh, there for a long haul. They are going to eventually pull back. And also the thing is like uh, economic sanctions have proved to be really ineffective in the sense like uh, Russia has figured out how it has to uh, go through all these things. And another thing is like uh, there are like uh, conflicting reports. I really cannot vouch for it. But then there were people who were saying like uh, Russia can now use uh, the uh, cyber currency to get the uh, for the trade and alternatively it can use ren, uh, renminbi with uh, china for its trade and also there is a talk going around and then the report saying that uh, um, even uh, uh, with the calls uh, shrill crawl, uh, calls going around saying that russia should be blocked from using swift system it's learned that russia has also developed an alternate swift system for itself in the uh, last few years and it has uh, even uh, sought cooperation from china to have its own kind of a, a system which is called as a system for uh, transfer of uh, financial message so uh, looking at all these things i think financial uh, sanctions are going to have it own kind of a deterrence effect but uh, we cannot uh, really say that it's going to really cripple the russian economy mm. that's one fact uh, because like uh, see um, uh, you need to definitely accept, um, uh, uh, accept the fact that like uh, european union is reliant on um, energy security on russia and then like um, it's dependent on nato for uh, defense or its own uh, security purpose. So it's like it has double predicaments. 
so taking this into consideration it's like unlikely that it is going to take any kind of a strident position so to say or harden its stance against russia there is going to be some leeway but instead of um, i think uh, world has seen enough of this like uh, sanctions regime and its effect they have to now come out or figure out some kind of a uh, deterrent system wherein like uh, you don't see these kind of uh, invasions or attacks directly on smaller countries you know so, i i saw a a, a a a clip or something where uh, it was said that uh, swift code is certainly an option but we can put it if you want to so basically saying ke ha hame pata hai ye sanction ho sakta hai par wo bhi nahi karenge russia ke right so that is uh, sort of the uh, see ha you saying harita something yeah that's the thing i was trying to say that in the sense like uh, i mean sanctions are not going to work any longer so they need uh, I mean, how much ever we would say that like just dismiss it as what the people say like uh, sit across and then constructive diplomacy is the only alternate solution so right now i think that is the only solution which we can really think of because otherwise uh, men i don't otherwise see any other solution other than this to break this kind of a thing i mean log jam so to say as what because diplomacy in terms of like european diplomacy as rightly highlighted by kishor or like the kind of a stance adopted by china or they have they have really failed so it's like going now countries have to have straight talk like see this is what we are going to give you what we are what you are going to do in return so that's the kind of a straight talk that nations but there is a human cost to this right i mean people are forgetting ukrainians are stranded in lines there are uh, ukrainians who have not served but to fight their country they're taking up arms you know to fight them and they're severely outnumbered both not only in terms of people like in terms of the strength of the forces also in terms of the weapons used i mean there were hearing stories of bombings and so forth so it's all well and good for countries to say what they say or italy to ask for uh, you know luxury plans excluded and so forth i mean you know there are caveats but ultimately there is a human cost to these caveats also right so uh, and i find this like people in america are outraging about it right they, they are right rightfully so but they are not understanding the full picture of what is at stake and why europe is acting the way they did yesterday i saw there was a, a show called the view where there is a co- 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 joy behar karke ek speaker here columnist i mean she's one of the panelists and she said something about ha huh, you know after that someone had just said about how tragedy ukraine tragic ukraine is it's like yeah i had my trip to western europe italy also uh, i've been planning it for four years and i don't know how it's going to i mean i'm like how heartless and thoughtless can you be like i so this sums up the every, sab apna apna chota chota dekh rahe hain and they're judging the other person for being selfish while they themselves are being selfish in their outlook right either condemn one or condemn all like, i mean i mean i didn't mean condemn one i'm saying don't condemn anyone or condemn all like that is the situation um but moving from there let's let's look at the picture forward right and kishore uh, i wanted to just you know uh, as we get into the home stretch of the podcast the last 10 minutes uh, why don't you start with talking about what we saw the European security council today or what is your take on that and a path forward and then harita feel free to come in as soon as kishore is okay 2014 uh, primaria annexation uh, by russia again a uh, security council resolution again russia vetoed uh, in its own favor india abstained uh 2022 uh pretty much a repeat of what we have seen so it was quite obvious that uh, uh, india would take a nuanced neutral position russia would obviously veto itself uh veto in favor of itself uh, which would imply that uh, the resolution would not even be worth the paper that it has uh, written on so i think that way uh, any any uh, initiative taken by the united nations uh, would mean nothing i mean they can't they can't censure uh, china uh, for having uh, uh, let the pandemic let loose around the world they can't lecture china they can't uh, uh, they can't uh, teach the proper lessons to china and still uh, they come and uh, want to impose their morality on 
the global south how to speak so i think i think it's become a joke it's become a non entity uh, already and uh, probably uh, probably going forward i think there might be smaller countries uh, say uh, the middle powers like iran turkey uh, saudi arabia india and probably even say taiwan who who would uh, who would not toe the united nations line who would want to deviate in their own self interest uh, i don't i don't uh, i don't rule out a, a quick israel iran conflict i don't rule out a quick saudi iran conflict or even a turkey uh, iran turkey saudi conflict wherein uh, they would think um, anyway nobody is listening to the united nations why should we listen? why don't we make hey while the sun shines i think i think that's the kind of uh, deviations that uh, i think might happen in the medium term the, the 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 sad part of it and which is sort of in a you know macabre here is also that the world war might be the world at war with other which with their own individual war and not fighting each other that you know if i were to summarize uh, Kishore statements, and that's true. With Israel, also we are seeing a very new Israel, UAE, Saudi, India, like you know, you know that is a group that is forming, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the Western world, so yeah. Say. So it's it's also first. It used to be said that you go from Israel to India, and we don't know how many allies you know they have, but certainly Kuwait, Bahrain, Saudi. Uh, the, the, there are there is i'm not saying they are allies but on many diplomatic levels and on certain fronts you are seeing certain things happening so i i don't know how that will change uh, but like you said that you know the, what has happened is because united nations has become very selective in what it chooses to highlight and what it doesn't that issue is being capitalized so that is why uh, uh, putin could get away i mean i wouldn't say get away but he made a crazy statement and he, short of Vocal condemnations and some chota mota sanctions, kuch hua nahi hai, right? So I, I thought I, I read a piece where the entire European cabinet, or or at least those close to him, were personally sanctioned and things like that. But that's not going to change anything, right? If he comes to the table for the diplomatic table, those personal sanctions are going to be taken off within minutes. That will probably be the first thing that's taken off. So uh, Harida, what do you think? Like after all this. who can broker the diplomatic things right you had a very passionate play from the ukraine envoy also wanting india to take a certain stance and then india did what it did so what do you think we break the uh, yeah, i think uh, time has come that like uh, we should break this kind of a sense of entitlement of veto builders okay they have like uh, uh, stalled the functioning of unsc completely okay so that is one aspect and another thing which we need to realize is like uh, countries are fed up with this kind of uh, uh, superpowers they no longer want to have superpowers and another strategy which they want to uh, which they are eagerly looking forward is multi kind of a multi alignment or issue based collaborations or issue based coalitions and also multi, uh, they are uh, uh, looking at uh, stuff like where they no longer want to be like uh, in uh, in this block or that block they just want to uh, mean and also it becomes like mean uh, 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 see there is this kind of an irony in the sense like uh, when globalization when people talk of globalization say to, so to speak that there should be a free movement and then interconnectivity with this or with all, between all the countries there uh, uh, here comes the time when uh, we should seriously think that uh, do we have to, do we still be, should we still believe in terms like a superpower or like uh, uh, things like that it's time that we dump all this kind of a hypocrisies and tags along with the nations and when we uh, so uh, the first thing at least to make uh, un uh, un relevant is to completely like uh, think of overhauling the system and then reviving the whole system uh, so that like it, it becomes some kind of a functional body otherwise it has been reduced into a puppet So, so that's why look at the five veto powers also it's crazy it's america it's two european countries uh, russia which is half you know asia europe and then you have uh, china right now uh, not i mean leave apart that india is not represented you know a, a sixth of the world's population essentially uh, 
Australia, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, that area, of, you know, is not represented. You don't have the Pacific side of there. You don't have South and no representation from South America uh, or Africa, right? And these same folks sit in decision. So, I mean, no, this whole veto thing is archaic, right? It's, it's completely, I, I, uh, I have uh, been like saying that India should be one of the five, one of, you know, should be included in the big group of five, should be a group of six, including India. But now I don't mind in saying that veto he abolish Kardu. Why do you even have a veto? And I think India should lead, be at the forefront of this effort, right? And the then I think it would be, we would have this eerie, funny scene where 200 countries are trying to get rid of the, or 150 countries are trying to get rid of the veto. And the five superpowers are showing a veto against getting rid of the veto. I mean, you know, I, we might find that sort of thing. And who knows? I think, I honestly think India should be at the forefront of doing this because... Or if you don't do it, then because United Nations as an entity is suffering from severe loss of credibility where no one takes it seriously, unfortunately, beyond a certain point. And that it, it was a great concept when it took place uh, right after World War II, you know, League of Nations and then United Nations. I just hope that it gets some of the power back. But for that, they need to develop some teeth. And basically talk yeah, reflective of the uh, reflective of the geopolitical churn of the day right. see just as every organization reinvents itself it's time that UN should reinvent itself yeah. so years is a is a big time scale when it comes to even if you even if you can't get rid of the veto totally at least don't have the insane thing of with the countries which are being debated for which them having the veto to veto a resolution against them or something like that. this is just you know silly but uh, you know that's how the things things stand uh, uh, before we wrap up guys uh, any recommendations that you kishore and harita you both have and then we'll wrap up the podcast i know we've got a little bit over time but uh, i hope everyone had a great time listening i mean stay tuned for the recommendations we're still not done yet so uh, who wants to go first kishore harita which one, which one of you I really want people to read about uh, Gautam Sen's article in First Post, which uh, rightly reflects how the West has been trying to impose its kind of uh, fixation towards uh, Russia and then has brought us to this kind of uh, scenario. Fascinating. Uh, Kishore? Uh, I would uh, recommend an old uh, book, Great Game. Uh, That kind of... uh, 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 I mean, it comes back into relevance every now and then. And every every time we have an Afghanistan happening, every time we have a Ukraine happening, we, we kind of uh, understand why uh, smaller nations, so to speak, feel the pinch, feel the brunt of everything that happens when two large powers are fighting it out. And I think that, uh, uh, that kind of uh, exactly what is happening even now, uh, pity that uh, Ukrainians are fighting it out all alone. Uh, they were led uh, uh, into that rosy path of a NATO membership for almost uh, two decades now. Nothing materialized. And now when uh, Putin loses his cool and invades, now again you have uh, NATO sending a few hundred, a few thousand helmets here and there. And eventually uh, those helmets mean nothing for a country like Ukraine. So I think a great game would be my recommendation. Yeah, so my my recommendation is uh, a book that was a consequence of, uh, uh, I mean, I've I've recommended this once, I'm recommending this again, because two significant events have happened in the last six months. And um, one is, of course, now people forget what happened in Kabul and Afghanistan and what's happening. And uh, now, and this book I'm recommending is called Ghost Wars by Steve Cole. It actually details in a post-Soviet Afghanistan, you know, the whole American situation and the Bin Laden thing. The reason I'm recommending this book is because it happened after the whole Soviet Afghanistan uh, issues in 1989-90. And unintended consequence of that, or maybe the intended, I don't know, was the emergence of these, you know, Islamist organizations like Al-Qaeda and so forth. So... The, the, you don't know what a conflict, when it starts, what it's going to, you know, come. You, you had the whole Iraq conflict and we know what that led to and so forth. And of course, the, the Soviet, I mean, I don't want to go into the detail of, you know, the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda and what happened. Everyone knows the detail of how it 
you know the emergence happened and then what's happened since and the horrendous events of 9/11 and how bin laden was shot dead but read these books to find a perspective of ki kahan kahan kya geopolitical you know a change mein kya kya hua hai uh, that term butterfly effect right one small event taking place in the world can catapult god knows what so uh, having said that our thoughts and prayers with the people of ukraine um and if you want to watch a, a show on russia on uh, all, all past soviet what it was i think there is a show on netflix called the last czar which talks about the last czar and the the emergence of russia under lenin after so kabhi mauka mile to watch that also it's a is unrelated to the discussion but if you want to watch something you know the whole gregory rasputin sort of things but uh, our thoughts and prayers guys go to the people of ukraine towards the people of ukraine and what they are facing uh, i don't know how this is going to end unfortunately or i don't know what the end is going to be but uh, we just hope senior heads prevail cooler calmer thoughts prevail and things that can be sorted out with sorted out with diplomacy meetings conversations dialogue can be sorted out war is never a solution and i hope we don't see you know the worst being happening uh, any last thoughts kishore harita before we wrap up uh i don't have a good feeling about it i think it might turn bloodier at least for a little while maybe a week fortnight and probably only then uh, might the country agree for some kind of uh, uh negotiation across the table and i think india should also uh, shed its inhibition and uh, try mediating i mean if imran khan with all his pedigree can uh, can offer a mediation Uh, can offer uh, some kind of mediation i don't think i don't think india should uh, be left behind india should uh, uh, offer its best offices uh, for this kind of a role and i think high time that india also assumes this kind of a position Absolutely. so let let, let yeah let us see if india uh, turns on that uh, puts on that kind of a hat Uh, yeah. we don't know if they wish to uh, do it but so, so yeah. far india has not been the backbencher that the troublemaker nor has it been the front bencher who raises their hand with a question we have been wo beech mein who might laugh at what the backbencher does and like take votes from what the front person does uh, now there is a separate debate that the people in the front might not be speaking of substance and india might have actually have stuff of substance to say but i think india should probably lead the efforts to mediate we should not take positions Uh, yes. If we don't want to, but I agree, we should take the mediation. Harita, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. So these nations must realize what they are into and what they are, what they will be doing to the nations and leading the world towards their like uh, greed and lust for power. So that's fascinating. Uh, excellent thoughts, guys. Maybe we'll do a follow-up podcast a few weeks or a month from now or so. Uh, our good friend Mohan will maybe able to join in that one as well. Um, I'm going to. Uh, he's probably going to write angry texts to all of us saying you forgot this point <laughs> that we discussed about. But uh, but but we'll leave that. Uh, we'll leave that for that next discussion. Please like, share, subscribe. Uh, please follow them, uh, Mohan and Kishore on. Uh, Facebook and Twitter as well as Harita, but uh, uh, I mean uh, Harita ka to ab you always see her, you know, talking about mind makers, plugging pieces and stuff. But write to them personally on Twitter, uh, and you know they might have some very different takes on the subjects than what you're thinking. We want uh, we want a nuanced debate on this. We'll get more voices. We'll talk uh, even for Afghanistan. We did that. We got someone who's working very closely to with the Afghans on the ground. Uh, you know it's a developing situation guys uh just you know uh, stay stay posted keep reading and keep your eyes and ears open uh, till then it's uh, goodbye from all of us and we'll be back very shortly <laughs>